Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. All right, if you have your Bible, turn it into Mark chapter 7. We're going to continue uh, going through the Gospel of Mark, as we've been doing for several months now. Uh, a couple of things as we begin. Uh, you know, last week we asked the question, uh, can worship be worthless? And we kind of talked about, you know, and we're going to see this week, the conversation continues, that sin is a heart issue, and uh, Al knows all about heart issues. So, uh, Al, we're glad to see you here, buddy. We love you, and we're glad that that was a minor heart attack, and you're back with us today. So, so just, yeah, you, you never know how much you're loved, so you are, buddy. Um, as we begin, I also have some uh, business to attend to. Um, before we begin, I want to present the Green Halls to you. They're here today, and they're sitting about halfway back on, on this side. Uh, Randy, Diana, uh, Tyler, Brandon, Caleb, Allison, and Savannah come this morning seeking membership into our church. And um, as many of you know, Diana's been uh, battling cancer right now, and she's, uh, she's putting up a good fight against a daunting prognosis. And uh, so we got a phone call, and Abby and I got to go over there Friday, and and we sat in their living room, and we got to hear every single one of their testimonies as they went around in a circle. And uh, <laughs> part of what came out was how much Metaview has been a family during this time. And so they want to make it right, and they want to join the family this morning. And so um, by hearing their statement of faith and then being baptized in a sister church, I'm going to be the first one to make a motion that we receive them into this fellowship. Do I have a second? All those in favor, would you say, I love you? love you? That is the call of our church, to passionately love others to Jesus Christ. And so we're glad to have you here this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how God continues to, to just minister to you during this time. And um, so before I start crying, let's go to Mark chapter 7. Um, picking up last where we were like, oh, there's the picture. My bad. I forgot that was in my notes. There's the picture. All right, there we go. Mark chapter 7, 14 through 30. Um, can worship be worthless is what we said last week. This week we're going to ask another question. Can works be worthless? And so just like last week, I'm going to have to do some plowing before I get back into the, the gospel of Mark to kind of set that up. But as, as we read last week, Mark chapter 7, 1 and 2. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So this kind of gives you an idea of what the, the scene is and what's happening here is that in, in these first couple of verses, we've got these Pharisees and these scribes, and they're actually pointing out the fact that the disciples are not eating with clean hands, and this is not necessarily a, a hygiene issue. It's more of a tradition issue. And so last week, I asked you if you used the hand sanitizer, and I'm not going to ask that this week. I'm just going to pray that more of you used hand sanitizer this week. And uh, we are trying our best to social distance here and, and keep everyone safe and healthy. So uh, it wasn't a hygiene thing. It was, it was very much a tradition thing. And so these Pharisees and these scribes are the religious elite. And they're looking for things that, that are going wrong. And they're the ones that follow all the rules and all the traditions. And they simply believe that they are good because they act good and they focus on being good. And if someone else isn't working on being good, then they're quick to point that out. In fact... Most people focus on being good over their need for grace. 
It, it's a default for us to just want to look good, just to act good, just to follow the rules. And so we often focus on being good over the native grace. And if you were to ask any random person who believes in God, if they believe they'll go to heaven or hell when they die, most people will say heaven. And when you ask why, they might respond with, well, I think I'm a good person. I haven't really done anything bad. I think that I bring something to the table that would allow God to say, all right, you, you pass, you, you get in. But the problem with focusing on being good over the need of grace is that goodness needs a standard. There has to be this standard that's there, and the standard is Jesus Christ. The standard is perfection, and none of us can ever meet that standard. Therefore, in order to remain good, we lower the standard or its requirements. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Well, at least I'm not doing what they're doing. James chapter 2, verse 10, the half-brother Jesus says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails to, in one point has become guilty of all of it. So if the standard is perfection, if you just miss one portion of it, you failed. So no matter how good we might think we are, not a single one of us could claim actual goodness or perfection because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But so much of our lives are focused on being good. Well, I'm pretty good. You ever said that? I'm doing good. I said, several people ask me, how are you doing today, Pastor? I'm doing good. Anybody else respond that way? I'm doing good. But if, if I was honest, have I been selfish? Yeah, I've been selfish this week. I, I've probably been selfish this morning, honestly. Have you ever thought evil of someone? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry to admit that, but I have certainly thought evil of someone. Have you ever disrespected your parents? No, no, never, never did that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, I've told a lie. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Unfortunately, more than once. Have you ever had road rage and called someone a name in the car on the way back from vacation and your kids heard it? Yes, yes, that has happened, uh, unfortunately. You see, the, the thing is, is that I can say that I'm good, but I know what's really in my heart. And none of these are really, you know, everyone will be like, yeah, I've been selfish. Yeah, I've done this. But goodness has a standard that we cannot reach. Romans 3, 9 through 12, Paul writes this, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. That is, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become, there's the word, worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So this is what scripture teaches. It's not about goodness. It's about grace. It's about grace. Here's what the gospel teaches us. Our good works are worthless and we are in desperate need of a righteousness outside of ourselves because we can't do it. We're in desperate need of a savior. Paul would say this in Galatians chapter 5. Listen, Paul, I tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. He's like, look, if you're looking to rules, if you're looking to follow these traditions, if you're looking to, you know, for goodness to save you, then Christ will be no benefit for you because you need to know that you need Christ. I like how Tim Keller says this, and he says, religion works this way. If I obey, then God will love and accept me. And that's how the vast portion of people view 
bare Christianity. Well, look, I just got to do good so God will be happy with me. I've been pretty good this week. He's really pleased with me. I haven't done any of the things I said on the list, right? But the gospel says I'm loved and accepted. Therefore, I wish to obey. Oh, there's a righteousness outside of myself that has been just given to me by grace. And I'm so undeserving that I just want to live my life in obedience. That's a gospel response. Isaiah understood how how deep sin can go. Isaiah 64, 6, we all, we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like the leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Isaiah is interesting because Isaiah is the prophet of God. He, if anybody feels like they should be good, it's him. But Isaiah was writing concerning this nation and their hypocrisy. And he includes himself in the description saying, we and our... Oh, I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah was redeemed and set apart as the prophet of God, and he saw himself as part of a group that was utterly sinful. How do you see yourself in comparison to others who are sinful, different, or included in? Oh, I'm sinful. You know, Martin Luther has a great quote. The most damnable and pernicious heresy that has ever plagued the mind of man is that someone, somehow he can make himself good enough to deserve to live forever with an all-holy God. To think that I could be good enough, that God would say, well done. I, I like what you've been doing. I'm just going to go ahead and let you, let you live with me for all eternity. Not, not based on my son, Jesus Christ, but based on how good that you're acting and following rules. I told you to take me a minute to plow through this, but we are sinful people. No one does good. And Ephesians tells us the key to salvation is this. Oh, there it went. Ephesians chapter 2, there it is. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is not our own doing. Our salvation is not the result of any of our efforts, abilities, intelligent choices, personal characteristics, or acts of service we may perform. Our good works do not produce salvation, but they are, in fact, evidence of our salvation. We can never be good enough to be saved. But the gospel reveals to us that the goodness of Christ saves us by grace. So this morning, as we get into Mark... We're going to look at two types of people, those who think that they are good and those who, need, those who know they need Christ's goodness. How we see ourselves determines how we come to Jesus. And so you're either going to come to Jesus in two ways. You're going to come to Jesus bartering or begging. Now, bartering is exchanging goods or services for another goods or service. So bartering means you come to the table and you're like, God, I've been pretty good this week. I'd really like to, you know, exchange some of my goodness for your grace and vice versa. But begging is asking someone earnestly and humbly for something, knowing you have nothing to bring to the table. And so there's two ways to come to Jesus, bartering or begging. And so how do you come today, bartering or begging? Let me pray, and we'll jump into Mark chapter 7. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It reveals to us that there is a deep, deep problem at the center of all of us, and it's sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. 
but your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you so much for sending your son to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we should have died so that we could have life and have it everlasting. And so today as we come, help us to come aware of our desperate need of your grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Bartering comes by believing in one's own goodness. So Mark chapter 7, starting verse 14. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me. All of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. Next verse. And he said to them, There are, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all food clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, All of these evil things come from within, and they are what defile a person. So Jesus is clearing up a common misconception about sin. Sin isn't a contagious issue. It's a core issue. You know, as we are trying not to, you know, get around people who are contagious, we're trying not to get infected by a virus. Many of us wear masks. Many of us go out of our way to wash our hands all the time, right? We're doing everything that we need to do because we don't want to, we don't want to catch the virus. Oftentimes, we view sin in the same way. We view sin as something you can catch. When in, real, in reality, Jesus is saying, look, it's not something you can catch. It's something that's already in you. There's a core issue. There's something within you that causes you to do sinful things. It comes out of your life. So our greatest need this morning isn't to be a better person. It isn't to clean up our lives. It isn't to be more moral, a more moral person. It isn't to follow rules better or to meet a certain level of Christianity. And that's a lot of what we try to do. Well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to clean up my life. I'm going to be a better person. You know, I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better wife. I need to be a better you know, spouse. I need, to, I need to do these things better. I'm going to try to be a better person. So I'm going to start going to church. And that's not what our greatest need is. No, our greatest and deepest need isn't to be good, but it's for Christ to give us grace. We are in desperate need of a heart change. If we believe that we're good, that sin is out there and it's not in here, it won't take long for us to think that we've done something to earn God's favor. If that's the mindset that we have, that now nah, sin's out there, I don't want to catch it, and we don't realize that sin's already in us, then we're gonna, it's not going to take long for us to begin to believe that nah, I'm pretty good. It won't take long for us to alienate ourselves from sinners. I mean, and think about the, the church for a moment. The church has, has gotten to a point where it's pulling back into its holy huddle, trying to stay away from all the sinful people because we don't want to catch sin, you know? And we're alienating ourselves because, you know what? We're good and they are bad. But that's not what Christ did. Christ came to seek and to save the lost. He came to sit with sinners. He came to tell them the gospel that they desperately need grace And it won't take long for us to focus on being good rather than focus on the grace of God. It doesn't take long for our Christianity to be focused on, I need to be a good person. 
and to forget our desperate need for the grace of God. To get to a point where we're like, I'm not good. Because if we begin to focus on, I'm doing pretty good, we begin to forget about the grace of God. Read verse 17. When he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach? And is expelled. Thus, he declared all foods clean. Now, this is an interesting part for me, you know, because we know it's Mark. John Mark's writing this. He's writing the account of Peter. And Peter throws in this little thing like, well, this was because he was letting us know that all foods are clean. Well, why would Peter be, be struggling with this? Because this is something Peter struggled with uh, repeatedly. Peter's being shown by Jesus that observing rules, dietary traditions, and external cleanliness doesn't equate to holiness. And as much as we might think it, cleanliness isn't next to godliness, right? It's not there. So the gospel is not about goodness. It's about grace. And Peter needed to be reminded of that. Because it was easy for Peter to be like, all right, let's go back to being good. Let's go back to following the traditions. Let's go back to following the laws. I'm going to be a good person. I'm not going to do the things that I'm not supposed to do. And we see this pop up in Acts. Acts chapter 10 9 through 16. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Now, these are the, these are the best verses for a hunter, right? They, they love these verses. Uh, pigs in the blankets came down, and they're like, kill and eat. We love this. And so Peter's having this trance. He's having this vision. And um, Peter, <laughs> the next day, okay, that's the same one. Okay, there. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the, time, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So let's jump down to verse 28. He learns what this vision's about, and he says, And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with, with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. See, Peter was like, oh, oh, I forgot. I was following the traditions. I was following what I was supposed to be doing. And he's learning this lesson. And I'm learning a lesson to make sure my batteries are in before I get up here. Did you see Peter's bartering in this passage? But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. God comes to him and says, hey, take and eat. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, Lord, I follow the rules. I'm good. I, I don't know what you know, but I, I'm bringing things to the table. I, I'm good. Look at what I've done and what I've not done. Look at how I'm following the rules. Peter was so good that he viewed others as unclean until he was reminded of God's grace. Okay. I want you to get this. Peter thought he was so good that he viewed others as unclean. 
So many times we think, I'm good, and they are bad. And we treat people as if they're unclean. And we alienate ourselves from people who are sinful until we're reminded of the grace of God because we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. Am I right? That's a detriment to the church that sometimes we alienate ourselves and we view people as unclean. Galatians, Paul has to learn it again. Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14. But when Cephas, who was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul writing. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, he called them out. Their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So here you go. Peter, eating with those who he once thought were unclean, sees some Jews coming in, and those are the good people, and so let me act like I'm good, and let me pull away so that no one sees me for fear of man eating with these people. He reverted back to following rules. So Peter, knowing God's grace, reverted back to focusing on goodness. So when Jews arrived in Antioch from Jerusalem, Peter gradually began to withdraw from eating with the Gentile Christians and instead ate with the Jewish Christians. He did this because he feared these Jews. He likely feared them because... He wanted to be liked and popular. Plus, he probably didn't want word getting back to Jerusalem that he was eating with Gentiles. It is typically the fear of man. (laughs) The fear of man. The fear of not looking good that causes us and Peter to begin to focus on goodness rather than grace. So Paul had to rebuke, rebuke him and remind him of the gospel. We do this too. We are fearful of what others will say of us. So we revert back to following the traditions, following the rules, and trying to look good. So we claim grace, but we function under the law and demands of goodness. This is what we do. I don't want people to think I'm bad. I don't want people to think that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so we forget about the grace, and we focus on being good. Verse 20. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile defile a person. So where does sin come from? Within. Jesus is teaching them about sin. And in Matthew's gospel, he says it this way. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. Why would he say mouth? More sin and evil is blurted out than acted out. Isn't that true? Oh, I'm good. I didn't, I didn't act on it. I might have said something, but I didn't act on it. Oh, I'm good. I mean, my mouth can get me into trouble every once in a while. More sin and evil is blurted out than it is acted out. We have a tendency to think we are good when we can refrain from sinful actions. But what about our sinful words? See, often we come bartering 
with Jesus because we didn't act too sinful based on comparison. We are generally good people. We follow the rules. Sure, we have said things that we shouldn't have this week. We had sexual immoral language, words of hatred, words of coveting, words of deceit, envy, and slander, but it's not like we acted on any of it. We're good. We're good. You know, the church, unfortunately, has a problem with slander and gossip and division, things like that that you wouldn't expect to see in a church. Oh, we didn't act on it. We might have said something. We didn't, we didn't act on it. You either come to Jesus bartering or begging. And in Luke, Jesus gives a parable and he says this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So he said this to people who thought they were good. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give, a, I give tithes of all that I get. I want to thank you that I'm good. But there was another person. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There's two ways to come to Jesus today, bartering or begging. The one who barters comes and thinks, I'm good. I've been, do I've been doing really good this week. I even came to church. But the beggar comes and says, oh, there's nothing good in me. I'm sinful. There's sin in my heart. You either come bartering or begging. Let's keep reading. Begging comes by believing in God's grace and goodness. Let's pick up verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter, and she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. What an interesting section of scripture, isn't it? You know, it's a fascinating story because it involves a dog. Uh, this is my dog, the best dog in the world. She's so good, she wears her seatbelt. Um, you know, she's just precious. Uh, the fascinating story is because in Jesus' day, most dogs were wild scavengers. That's true. However, some small domesticated dogs were kept in the house as pets, and these dogs tend to gather under the family table at mealtimes. They typically were fed the table scraps, but only after the family had eaten. Now, if you have an inside dog, I guarantee that when it comes dinner time, that dog is sitting or standing or somewhere near the table, whether begging or not begging, but they, they want you to know that they're there. And so my little dog will sit next to the table and she'll do this. 
And we're like, we get it. We know you're there. So her favorite day of the week is on Sunday. Because on Sunday, we'll have our small group over, and there's a lot of little tiny kids that hold their chicken nuggets at eye level of Lucy. And so they're free game. Those kids will run around with their little chicken nuggets, and she'll just be picking those nuggets right out of their hands every single time. Like, and she eats really good on that day. And you know what? She's okay with it. It's wonderful for her to get the scraps. She is so excited. Man, I'm going to get a little piece of chicken nugget. And here's what Jesus and this lady have this conversation about. It's a tough saying. Jesus, is he calling this woman a dog? No. Is he, is he being racist? No. He's simply pointing out the fact that she's willing to take whatever she can from Jesus. We know that he's not calling her a dog or being racist because this can't be true. That's not how Jesus treated women or Gentiles in other sections of the scripture. Jesus is saying that his ministry was to the people of Israel first and that the outreach to the Gentiles would come later. Just as the family eats at the table and the family dogs, the beloved pets, are fed afterwards, so will the Gentiles. You see, this woman, she's not a Jew. She's not from Israel. She's a Greek Gentile coming and begging for the grace and goodness of Jesus. She doesn't believe she has anything to offer, no goodness in herself, no credibility of national heritage but she is simply begging for grace. She's happy to receive the scraps of grace because she is hopelessly lost without them. Let me ask you, are you happy to receive just the scraps of grace because you know that you are sinful and hopelessly lost without Jesus Christ? That's where this woman is. I'm just hopelessly lost. She's coming to Jesus, not bartering, but she's begging begging Jesus. She said, yes, Lord, I understand. I'm a sinner. There is nothing good in me. I am a dog. I don't belong here. I'm not good. I'm not numbered among the children. I have no right to sit at the table and feast on the food that you set before your children. I'm satisfied, Lord, with the crumbs. My question is, do you come bartering or begging? Are you satisfied with the crumbs of grace? Are you satisfied that we for the most part in here, are Gentiles who are grafted in. We, we receive the grace of Jesus Christ because no one is without sin. And we don't come saying, I'm good. We come saying, I'm a dog. I'm, I don't belong at the table. But I'm willing to get whatever I can from Jesus Christ because it is wonderful. Salvation is wonderful. The difference in how we approach Jesus is dependent upon how we view ourselves. If we view ourselves as good, then typically we become bartering. But if we see ourselves as sinners, we come begging. My question is, how do you come today? Do you need Jesus? Or do you think you're good? Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons 